0: If not, I invite you to turn with me to the 15th chapter of the book of John, St. John's Gospel, chapter 15. I found it interesting, really the last month, I've been primarily studying in the book of Daniel, yet all my thoughts and messages have been coming from the Gospels, and um, I just guess that tells you about the presence of God on both sides of the book, and um, we want to look here and Some teaching of Christ to the disciples in the 15th chapter of the book of John. As we look at this, I want to share something with you and then ask you a couple of questions to have in your mind as as we read. Um, I know that books get mixed up sometimes and um, I don't know where this book came from, Um, but this is the book that I primarily sing out of and have for the last several months and I don't know whose handwriting this is, but there's a little index card that's been in this book, and again, I don't know where it came from. It's not my handwriting, and it says joy, and um, I've really appreciated that in this song book, and I can't tell you the number of times as we're singing that um, I stumble upon this little index card with the word joy on it, and it helps to direct my thoughts and give my mind over into the Lord that I would feel His presence and, and enjoy what it is to relate and commune with and fellowship with God. Again, I don't know who wrote that or where it came from, but I'm glad that I get to stumble upon it as often as I do. And when we think about joy and we think about happiness, and specifically what I want to ask you to do this morning is to think about where do you go looking for joy? Where do you go looking for happiness? And do you find it? Where do you find joy? joy, and happiness. This book has blessed me as it's centered my mind and focused my thoughts on being able to enjoy the presence of God and the joy that I receive from Him. And I want to ask you, where do you go looking for joy? Read with me here in John chapter 15. We're going to begin at verse 1 and we'll read down through about verse 17. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. This is Jesus speaking and He says, I am the true vine And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life For his friends, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does or doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you should ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. And we'll stop there at verse 17 of the 15th chapter of the book of John. We have here one of those great I am statements of the book of John, where Jesus declares plainly and for a fact that he is the vine. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine. Now, I don't know if you have much experience with grape vines. I have very little. But growing up, behind my grandparents' house, they had some grape vines. And if you ever looked at these grapevines, you'd see that the vine comes up out of the ground and it goes off in all these different directions. Then it has these little shoots off of it, these little branches. And found on those branches would be the grapes. In fact, Tiffany's grandpa even now has a a grapevine in his house, and and you see the nature of a vine, that it is what supplies every need to those branches to bring forth the fruit. And Jesus says that he is the true vine, and that his Father, that God the Father, is the husbandman. We don't use that terminology very much, but he's the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of the vineyard. (laughs) He's the one that sees to it that the vineyard is made in such a way that it would bring forth much fruit. He says that every branch that doesn't bring forth, that it is cut off, it's taken away. But every branch that brings fruit, he prunes it. Why? That it might bring forth even more fruit. He says, now you are clean. You've been pruned through the word which I've spoken unto you. He's teaching to his disciples. And there's something I want you to know about what's going on at this moment in Scripture, at this moment in the life of Jesus. Jesus has just finished observing the the Lord's Supper, or observing the Passover meal, there with his disciples. And he is now, most likely, on his way to the garden to pray. And so the words that he's leaving with his disciples, this is some of the very last teaching that Jesus would leave them with. And he is telling them that he is the vine. And that his father sees to it to take care of the vineyard. He says, now you are clean through all that I have spoken to you. I want you to think for a minute about what the disciples must have been feeling what the disciples were going through in this moment. They were stricken with fear. They were worried. They didn't exactly understand all the things that that were going on. Jesus had told them that one of them was going to betray Him. and They were worried whether or not it was them. That they had all these fears and doubts and, and unknowns about what was going to be transpiring. But they saw the passion of Jesus and His urgent need to go in prayer. For His hour was at hand. And Jesus is telling them that He is the vine and that they are the branches and to abide in Him. I want you to th- just think for a moment about how insecure these disciples must have felt in that moment. Keep that in your mind as we continue looking at the Scripture. He says, Abide in Me and I in you. you know, there's a lot of people that have a problem with this idea that Jesus abides within us and that we abide in Christ. They say, how can Jesus be in your heart? And I think they're missing what we're stating for the literal interpretation of it. Certainly we know that Jesus Himself is at the right hand of God. But what we see is that the presence of God is with us, and it abides with us. And it's revealed to us. We know it, we can feel the presence of God, and we can understand how it impacts us and moves upon us. And so His presence is not something in which we see it to be far away, but it is abiding with us. Jesus Christ abides with His people. And He says that you abide in Me. We have a union with God through the Son. We are made and brought together through the redemptive work of Christ Jesus. My friend, today I ask you, are you together with God Are you connected to the vine? Do you abide in Christ? He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Listen to me, my friend. You will not bring forth fruit unless you are connected to the vine. You might say, well, Derek, I try to live my life uprightly, and I try to do well, and you know, overall, I think I'm a pretty good person. Listen, there's a whole lot of pretty good people in the world, but unless you're connected to the vine, you will not bring forth fruit. You think about this just from a logical conclusion. If I go home today, and I know it's late winter, but... And so fast forward six months from now, if I was to go outside and I was to cut off a branch from the tree and I let that branch lay there, what's going to happen to that branch? It's going to dry out. It's going to die off. There's going to be nothing good left on it. Why? Because it's been disconnected from the main source of its strength and of its nutrition and its life. It can't bring forth any more fruit. Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. Are you connected to the vine today? Are you abiding in Christ? He says, I am the vine, verse 5, and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth not just fruit, but much fruit. If you're connected to the vine and that vine is Christ Jesus, then what happens is he works through you to bring about fruits and evidence that you in fact are connected to the vine. If you have questions about this, you wonder what this fruit looks like, go over to the book of Galatians and study for a while about what Paul tells the Galatian church are those fruits of the Spirit. He says there would be evidence brought forth in your life that you are connected to the vine. My friends, this is not a question that we have to wonder about as to whether or not we are connected, but it should be obvious by the fruit that is born in your life. Listen to me, Christian friend. If you count yourself as a Christian, but you don't see the fruits of God present in your life, you need to make your calling and election sure whether or not you truly be saved. Why? Because if you are saved, there will be evidence of it in your life. That might be preaching that upsets some. But you can't go about life living and thinking and acting like a sinner and think you're saved. As Larry Patterson, the old pastor at Southside Church, or old deacon at Southside Church used to say, that dog won't hunt. Those things can't come about. If you are truly connected to the vine, you will bring forth much fruit. He says, but without me, you can do nothing. I want you to know today that's a true statement. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. Yeah, you can say, well, Derek, there's a lot that I've been able to accomplish on my own. And I bet there probably is. But none of those things are lasting and enduring if you're not connected to the vine. They are temporary at their best. And a storm comes up against them and they wither away. You find yourself that you think that you have a hold of something. And before long, the wind blows it right out of your a child has a balloon and they think that they have something very special to them, yet they're outside for just a little while and they get distracted by something and their grip is loosened upon it, and what happens to that balloon? But it flies away from them. So is everything that man thinks he's able to grab a hold of on his own. It is fleeting. It is like trying to grasp the wind, Solomon said. You ever been try to reach out and grab a hold of the wind? I've never been able to grab a hold of it, have you? It's grabbing a hold of emptiness and nothingness. So is all that man would try to accomplish if it's not connected to the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. It says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered away. Just like I was saying earlier, if you're not connected to the vine, what you're going to find out about your life is that it's ultimately going to wither away. And what happens to those things? Last summer I had went and cut down a bunch of branches and things around my house and I let them die out behind my barn for a little while and slowly I drug them out and I put them on my fire pits and I built a fire so high that I had to get the water hose out. I was worried about it. Why? Because when you have all of that that is disconnected from the main branch, from the main trunk, when it's disconnected from the vine, what happens to it? It is dried out and it is withered away and it's only good thing then that it has left to do is to be burned. My friend today, if you are disconnected from the vine, if you've never found yourself to abide in Christ Jesus, you are like a branch that is withering away and ultimately you'll be gathered up and cast into the fire. The difference is that the fire that Jesus is referring to is not like that fire that I've had in my fire pit at home, that it ultimately burns itself out and all that is left is ashes. But the place of fire that Jesus is talking about to referring to it is not like my fire pit at home, but is a place of eternal damnation, a place where we read that the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched but it continues to burn. As I've heard it said before, that this place of fire, hell, as Jesus is referring to, or making a reference to, that it's a place where those that are lost in their sins, those, those that are disconnected from the vine and don't abide in Jesus, those that would wither away, it's a place that they would be cast into where they would die and die, but never die. You know, Brother Brad Hicks preached a message here during our revival several years ago and he talked about that. He talked about how he thought that what must be the worst part about hell is not just the pain, but the fact that there's no escape for it. I think that's true. You know, There's a lot of things in life that I can endure for a very short while. You know, I can be outside in the freezing cold so long as it's only for a little while. I can endure things that cause me discomfort and pain so long that it's only for a little while. I joke with my family a lot of times. I've had more work done in my, in my teeth than most people have. And I can withstand all that discomfort that comes with a dentist doing all sorts of things to, to fix my teeth. But only because it was for a little while. My friends, when we think about this place of fire, It is eternal. It's not a place that you can endure for a little while because it instead is everlasting. It's an eternal place of damnation. And Jesus says all those that are disconnected from the vine, all those that do not abide in Him, that they are as a branch that is cast off, that withers away and is gathered up and tossed into the fire. Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to the vine? He says, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is My Father glorified. He tells us how to glorify God. He says that you bring forth much fruit. Are you glorifying unto God today? Examine your life. Inspect the fruit of your life. And ask yourself, are you giving glory to God through the fruit that you bear in your life? I want to tell you something about this just for a minute. and I don't mean this as, as something to, to be something to, to cast down upon someone or anything like that. but the fruit that you bear in your life, it is evident not only to you, but it is evident to those that are around you, whether or not you be in Christ. So when you answer this question, answer it not only, for yourself but answer it sincerely knowing that all those that are around you can identify whether or not you bring forth much fruit you ever been around somebody there is no doubt that person brings fruit it's obvious to you ain't it this person must know the lord because i look at their life and all i see is evidence that they abide in christ and christ abides in them We actually use a a scriptural reference wrong a lot of times when we think about that. You ever hear somebody say that their spirit bore witness with mine? What they're doing when they use that, they're taking an idea that's expressed in the book of Romans, that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And I think we get this idea, because the word children there is plural, that it means that we can identify whether or not somebody is in Christ because the Spirit bears witness with us. That's not what it's talking about there in the book of Romans. What Paul's talking about is that we know we're saved. We know that we are the children of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with ours that we are God's children. So how then can we identify that someone else is saved? Because I'm not disagreeing that we can identify that. We don't identify it because of some feeling we get. We identify it because we can see it. It's evident to us. And man, I love it when it's evident. I love it when it's evident right away. A lost soul gets saved, and it's obvious to us that something has changed within them. There is evidence from that very moment. That this person has gone from death unto life, from darkness into God's marvelous light. Why? Because it just seems like they get connected with that branch and all of a sudden fruit starts showing up. Connected with that vine. My friend today, are you bringing forth much fruit? It will be evident in your life. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Jesus answers the first question that you would probably have in response there to to verse 9. He says, The Father has loved me, so I love you. Continue my love. How do I do that? He tells us in the answer in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, Follow me. I've kept the commandments of God and abide in in God the Father's love, so you keep my commandments and abide in my love. And then verse 11, he says this. He says, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I want to come back to that in just a minute. Let's go ahead and and, and close out, just kind of looking at the verses here that we've read. Verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. It says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is speaking of what He is going to do as evidence of His love for His disciples. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. And I'm going to show you what that love looks like. You know, two weeks ago was Valentine's Day and we think a lot of times about love in human terms. And our human ideas of love is, is very much associated with feelings and emotions and all of these sorts of things. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, that he would give his life up for his friends. Do you love that way? Do you love that way? That you would give up your life, that you do give up your life for your friends. That's how Jesus is teaching the disciples to love. That's a lot bigger than how we think about love normally, isn't it? A lot of times people say, Well, Jesus is love, and so I just love everybody. That's a great remark to make. But do you love how Jesus loves? That's the greater test. Do you love how Jesus loved? Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And he says, and you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I've commanded you. He says, Henceforth, from here on, I do not call you servants. Why? For the servant does not know what his master does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have learned of the Father. I have made known unto you. Jesus says, I have kept nothing hidden from you. I've kept nothing private from you that you would know or that you should learn of. That you may be able to keep these commandments. That you would love one another. And he says, From here on, I no longer call you servants but I call you my friend. It's good to be a friend of Jesus. Think about that just for for a minute. We call Jesus Lord, and indeed He is. We call Him Master, and indeed He is. But He does not treat us as slaves or as servants, but He treats us as friends. I praise God for the vine. It says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you should ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture, isn't it? To see the Lord as the vine, and we as the branches and to abide in Christ, and for Christ to abide in us. But as we looked at verse 11, just for a moment earlier, I want to look at it again. Because in the midst of all of this, he tells us that the result of these things is that the joy of Christ may remain in his disciples, and that their joy may be full. Christ is about ready to go through the most excruciating death that could be imagined. And the disciples are going to be faced with worry and fear to the point that we're going to see Peter deny Jesus three times. That a little girl would bring accusation up against Peter and Peter would deny Jesus even to this small child. Fear and worry, doubt, frustration, anxiety. Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I want to talk to you about this joy for a minute. Joy is one of those fruits of the Spirit that we read over in the book of Galatians. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God in the life of a believer. Jesus has not ever promised us, God has not ever promised us in the scriptures that our life will be full of, or will be removed of any worry or of any concern or of any trial or tragedy. He's not promised us a pain free existence. So, how then can joy be a fruit of the Spirit knowing that we will go through so many things that would steal that joy from us? Where is joy found? Where do you find joy? That's the question I started with, isn't it? Where do you go looking for joy and do you find it there? What makes you happy? Isn't that what seems like all of life, what everyone in life is is trying to find? Trying to find whatever it is that makes them happy. And they will find it in all sorts of things, trying to look for something that is going to bring them some momentary Happiness. And they'll find it. That's the thing that I think we should be aware of as as God's people is that there is happiness, there is joy that can be found in things that are not of God, but the joy and happiness that is found in them, it is not true and sincere joy as is experienced through the things of God. It's not lasting, it's temporary, and to find that joy to be continuous will require you to go further and further into worldliness to find it. You say, well, Derek, that's just not something you should be teaching to us. The Hebrew writer said it. He was talking about Moses. He said how Moses chose to live in slavery with the people of Israel rather than enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. My friend, sin is pleasurable but for a short while. You might say, oh, Derek, you make sin sound like it's all right. Listen to me. When you hold up the pleasure of sin against the joy of abiding in the vine, there's no comparison. The joy of sin is pleasurable for a moment. But to be able to have that moment To to be repeated, you have to go further and further and further into sin. And again and again and again, you will find that pleasure to be fleeting from you. It is for that very reason that so many people find themselves in addiction today because they found something that gave them a momentary happiness or joy. And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm not just talking about alcohol that they found met their need for a moment. I'm talking about all sorts of addictions. I'm looking at a group of people that I'd be willing to bet most of you are addicted to caffeine. If there was a mirror back there, I'd be talking to myself. Why? Because it gives us what we need for a season. Is caffeine addiction a sin? I want to tell you something. Any chemical that the Christian relies on to get through their day, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Why? Why? What is the source of your life? Is it divine, Or is it the cup of coffee? Those are hard things to say, ain't they? Probably not things you enjoy hearing about. No. Listen, enjoy your cup of coffee in the morning. I'm not against coffee. I'm going to enjoy my Diet Mountain Dew tomorrow morning. I'm not against Diet Mountain Dew. But I want us to see that true, lasting joy. The contentment, the things that we need in life are not found outside of the vine. The branch finds nothing outside of the vine that is sufficient to bring forth life. The branch finds nothing outside of the vine that allows it to produce fruit. You say, well, to get through the day, I just have to have my cup of coffee. Maybe you need to examine the day that you're living. Is your day being lived for the Lord? Before you have a cup of coffee tomorrow, I challenge you, sit down with your Bible and read it for a little while and see if maybe that gives you the invigoration that you need to get through the day. You see, sometimes I think we identify all these big sins that we see in the world as things that are to be avoided and looked down upon. Meanwhile, as Christians, what we say, so long as we just indulge a little bit, it's okay. Listen, my friend, if you see no joy in your life, what you need to do is not look to the world as a source of joy, but look back to the vine and say, how is your connection with the vine? As a branch, how are you connected to the vine? Sometimes what happens in life is that our, 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 our bark gets just a little scratched up. It gets a little dented. And sometimes it makes the, 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 the nutrients, the source of life that we need from the vine, we, we've allowed it to somehow erode or decay in a way that is not really getting through to us. How it once did. Examine your connection to the vine as a source of your joy. So what is true joy? Derek, are you just going to talk about all the things that aren't real joy? No, I want to talk about the things that are true joy. True joy is this. It is the enjoyment of God and the enjoyment of the good things that come from the hand of God. Do you know why it is that when you first hold a newborn baby in your arms, you just can't help but smile? Why? Because it is a gift of God. (laughs) How what else can you do but feel joy seeing in your arms for the first time this which has been made in the image and likeness of God? It's something that's meant to be enjoyed, something that's meant to be realized. Why? Because it's one of those good things of the hand of God. I want you to think about the things that God has ordained for his people that are good and meant for us to be and are meant for us to enjoy. I want you to get some ideas in your mind before I start talking about this. Because here's the reality, that for the Christian, if God is the center of your life, if you are connected to the vine, if Christ abides in you and you abide in Him, joy should be inevitable in the life of the Christian. Why? Why? because we see the source of every good thing as being sourced to us and given to us by the hand of God. Yesterday, I spent the afternoon cleaning up my garage from the winter. It was a chore. But I came inside last night and I told my wife, I said, there are just fewer things that bring me as much happiness as knowing that my garage is clean. We kind of laugh at that. But you know why that is? It's because my ability to clean that garage is not because I just have the average strength of a human being, but that God has given me life to do those things. I got to spend some time with the Lord yesterday afternoon while I was cleaning out that garage. It was a good thing that God has given me to be able to do. Some might say it's a chore. Your ability to work, your ability to play, your ability to learn, Your ability to to go through life and and take on the challenges that you take take on from time to time. If all of those things see that God is at the center of them and that He is the one that has sourced your ability to do them, you will find joy in them. You will even enjoy working. You'll say that if you find a job you'll love, you'll never work a day in your life. You're missing what the source of your joy is. The source of your joy shouldn't be Your job, the source of your joy, should be God. And if God is the source of your joy, whatever job He has you in, you will find it to be joyous. Why? Because you're not working for any other reason but then to the glory of God. Is this this making sense to you? He's telling us that true joy is found when you're connected to the vine. Are you connected to the vine? When we think about joy as a fruit of the Spirit. When we think about how we can enjoy these things, what leads us then to to look outside of the vine for joy? I talked to you already about how the disciples and what they must have been feeling in this moment, about how they would have felt so much insecurity and doubt and worry and fear and all these things that they would have been going through in this moment as as they're walking most likely through Jerusalem, having left the upper room where they observed the Lord's Supper and are now making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And when we see all these things that they must be feeling, no doubt that Jesus is feeling, yet Jesus is talking to them as they go along their way and giving them all of this instruction. It's as though Jesus knew that they'd be looking for joy in all the wrong places. Don't you know people like that, that look for joy in all the wrong places? Let me rephrase my question. Have you ever been that way, where you've looked for joy in all the wrong places? Y'all just going to let me stand up here with my hand raised like a fool, huh? (laughs) All by myself. We've all done that. Where we've gone looking for joy in all the wrong places. And the reason why we do that is because we're looking for something that would give us some sense of happiness that would make us feel like we belong, that make us feel like we fit in, that make us feel like we're, we're, we're a part of something or we're, we're able to do something that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. You ever heard of this term, retail therapy? <laughs> Way too many women just man that. <laughs> But the reality is a lot of times what people do is they're feeling insecure, they're feeling anxiety or anxious about something or just life's gotten them down for, for whatever reason and they will go and, and bring pleasure to their life by going shopping. I want to tell you something to make very clear about my life. Shopping has probably never brought me happiness. But the reality is that we do those things, right? And it's kind of dubbed this term retail therapy for that reason because we think it gives us some momentary high. Same reason why people scroll Facebook all the time. Every time you swipe your, your hand up, it just gives you another dopamine rush. It gives you some sense. It's no different than, than pulling a, a slot machine handle. It gives you a rush of saying, "What's going to, what am I going to see next? What's going to happen when I do this? Might I find something that really intrigues me? when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling lonely, when we're feeling a sense of worry or fear or depression or, or distress or whatever it is that we're feeling in those moments, is when we go trying to find something to overcome those to give us some momentary feeling of joy. Listen to me. The issue is not all of those feelings of distress. Listen, those feelings are very real to us and we go through them, right? All of us. Even this week, you've dealt with anxiety. You've dealt with worry. You've dealt with and he dealt with loneliness and longing and all these sorts of things. The issue is that when we go looking for joy in all the wrong places, we go looking for it from somewhere outside of the vine. But when we do that, yes, for a moment, we might forget about that anxiety or forget about that worry, but we're still going to have to go and face it. And we're able to face it when we draw instead our joy and our strength from the vine. So today I ask you, my friend, how is your connection to the vine? Is it your source of joy? When we think about all of these things, when we think about joy that is found in the vine, Jesus tells us that that joy is realized when we keep His commandments. When we do the things the Lord has instructed us to do, and we abide in Him as He has described to us and told us and, and endorsed us to do, instructed us to do. And He tells us this commandment, to love One another. I've already said that these fruits of the Spirit are evident. That we know them and we see them in one another. And we talked about the reason why we go looking for joy outside of the vine. As we're feeling all these, these feelings of anxiety and distress and these things. Well, if the fruit is evident to us. How might we better love our fellow believer? Better love our brother and our sister that if we would go to our brother and our sister in those moments where they find themselves trying to find something to satisfy them in the world, and in doing so, having to go further and further and further into the world to find it, that we would go to them and say, hey, I love you. This vine that we're both attached to, it's the source of joy. It's not the things of the world. You've heard me say it before. You've heard other preachers say it before. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Why? Because to find that joy that you would find in the world, you must go further and further into it to find it. Young people, I hope you've listened today. If not, go back and watch it on Facebook. Young people, listen. I have seen so many young people. And it wasn't too long ago that I was a young person. I'm having to deal with the reality that I'm not anymore. It's a hard reality. But I've seen so many of of, of young people back in my age, I don't know how to say this right, but I've seen so many young people that have fallen away, that have found themselves to, to, to just turn their back on the vine. Why? Because they went out, they found a little bit of joy away from the vine but it was only for a moment. And they said, well, I'm just going to go a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. But I want you to know the things that I see, young people that worry me about you, if I was to express all of them to you, you would probably say, well, Derek, why can't you just let me have fun? Listen, my friend, I want you to have fun. I don't want fun to have you. I want you to understand what real joy is and what it really means to have fun. I heard somebody talking this week and it just really opened my eyes to something. The gentleman was talking, he was talking about how, how, how social media caused all this insecurity in young people. And he was talking about how you know it's seen because of how many followers you have as a measure of popularity and beauty and all of these things. And young people listen to me. I know so many of you are taking pictures on Instagram and Snapchat and all these different things to try to show your beauty and try to gain popularity and fit in and all of those things. You know what the problem is? It's not social media. Let me say that real quick. Because all these older people around you, not me, all these older people around you, they used to do the same thing, just in a different form. You see, when these older people around you, when they were your age, what they found to, to give them that same joy was whether or not they, this was a gentleman talking about this, he said that whether or not these things would bring them joy would be if they made the football team or if they were a cheerleader, or if they were prom queen, or if they were all these things that had the same measurements, just measured in a different way, but the difference is now social media puts all it in the palm of your hands. And so you're dealing with those same doubts and those same insecurities, yet they're just always in your face. So young person, I want to challenge you today to look to the source of joy to be in the vine. Not in what the world has found should be your source of joy. Because what you'll find is that it requires you to go further and further and further. And no longer is it sufficient for you to post a revealing picture of yourself. But instead you start dabbling into sexual sins and immoralities and all these sorts of things. Because the joy of the world always takes you further. I'm going to pause and let that awkwardness set in so you don't forget it young people I worry about you what I worry about is that all of us in this room have been no different than you where we've been tempted by the joy that is for a season of life but the difference is that we looked back and we saw the vine to be far better And we've proved it now a time or two. And we've realized it to be truly and sincerely the true source of joy. Let me say something, just while I'm on this subject. Parents, if you get upset with me, you can get upset with me in private. Let me say, that should be just probably something said more often. This sexual temptation that young people have, I get it. But I want you to know, you know, earlier when I talked about how what true joy is, what true enjoyment is, that it's that which is found in God and that which is the the enjoyment of the good things that come from the hand of God. Scripture tells us that sex is enjoyable when it's something that is found as being necessitated by what God has ordained it to be. And that is within the confines of marriage. You guys might have got uncomfortable about that, but I want you to know that's what the book says. Young people, the more that you find yourself to look to the vine, to understand the depths of love that Jesus has for you, you will find more and greater joy than you'll find anywhere else in life. Joy is found in the vine. Joy is found in the vine. Tragies come. Well, it was a psalmist who said that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Why is it that so many of you have been able to endure so many hard and difficult things? So many Christians have endured loss of children and loss of loved ones and all these things that would just uh, just cause such sincere uh, hurt and harm and pain and agony, yet they go through them and they find greater and greater joy. Why is that? But that God always brings joy, even to the lonely, pained, and scared heart. Joy comes in the morning, no matter how dark your night may seem. God is with you, and he will help you. Lost friend, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about your need to get connected to the vine. So that every branch that abides not in Christ is cast off and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Solomon said this in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good. Before God, sinner today, I want you to find nothing but joy and happiness in your life. I hope that you find that that which you have longed for is realized in your life, and that you find the utmost happiness and joy. But I want you to know, sinner friend, that that joy is only going to be realized when you find it in Jesus. When you find it in Jesus. So lost friend today, while you look around and you might see gloominess and you might see worry, especially as we've endured this pandemic now for the last year. And you see all these things that would cause you and you see your parents stressed and you see those around you worried and all these things you would say, why is there just so much gloom? I've already told your parents they should check their connection with the branch. But I want to ask you, are you abiding in Christ, lost friend? For all this gloominess, all this worry, all this drear, it is made to be cast off. It is made to be rolled away. And the sun made to shine. Why? Because there is joy that is found in the vine. Lost friends today, are you abiding in Christ? Are you connected to the vine? Let's get a song today. Let's stand. Let's sing. Maybe maybe you're saved today. And the things that you, you've examined in your life and you see that joy is lacking. Maybe you need to come and pray and get things right with the vine. I don't know. You're lost today, and you're separated. And these things that we talked about, we talked about the reality of being a branch cast off. And we've spoken about the reality that joy is found when you abide in Christ. If the Lord is dealing with you today in some way, I encourage you, come and pray. Come and pray. we we'll always sing.